Hey friends, welcome back to the Declare podcast. At Declare, our mission is to equip women to walk in their callings as Christian communicators. So if you're a writer of any kind, a speaker, a podcaster, an artist, then we hope you're going to find encouragement and practical tips here to help you press on with your message. So if that's you, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Ann Watson, and I'm so happy you're joining us today. In our last episode, I talked with Macy McKenzie about her brand new album, On Set. If you haven't heard it yet, you might be as surprised as I was to discover just how much songwriting and releasing an album is like writing and releasing a book. She shares all about her process, her fears, and her excitement about what God has done and is doing through her music. That's episode 63, so go back and take a listen. Today we're on episode number 64 with Denise Hughes. Denise is a wife and a mom to three who teaches composition and literature and who wrote and released three Bible studies and a book in the last year. She's also an editor for Dayspring and Encourage, if you're familiar with those. Today, we talk about the dramatic choice she had to make when she was a teenager, how the Bible finally came to life for her, and how you can unlock scripture for yourself. She shares her most helpful tools for getting the most out of Bible study and the first step to writing a Bible study of your own. Stay tuned because I'm also going to give away a copy of her newly released book, Deeper Waters. I'll give you a hint. If you leave a review on iTunes, you're entered to win. We always love it when we see new iTunes reviews, so thanks so much for doing that. When you leave a review, you help other digital evangelists find the Declare podcast. A huge thank you today to Jamila Jackson of Loved and Blessed for recently leaving us a review. She said, I love this podcast and can't wait to attend the conference this year. Every episode has been packed with wisdom and really inspires her to strive to be a better Christian communicator. If you're a blogger, speaker, or writer, subscribe to this podcast now. Thanks, Jamila, so much. We love you for saying that. Why don't we go ahead and get started with our conversation with Denise Hughes. Hi, Denise. Welcome to the Declare Podcast. How are you? Hi, Anne. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you. Oh, I'm so excited to be here with you, too. So I wanted to tell our community a little bit about how I know you. I know that you have been a longtime Declare girl. But you and I actually met a couple of years ago at a different writers conference Mm -hmm. and we just sort of connected and it was one of those situations where we were sitting down chatting and then we were like, Hey, what time is it? And we realized three hours went by. Yep. I I was amazed. It was such a fun conversation. You're so easy to talk to. And so that's partly why I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today, but also because I know you have so much wisdom to share and I can't wait for our community to get to know you. But just in case they don't know you already, would you mind starting with just a little bit about who you are and what you do and maybe your family, a little of your story even? Thanks, Anne. Sure. Uh, I have pretty much been born and raised in California my whole life, uh, but my younger years were in Northern California, and I moved to Southern California when I was 23. And I think people in other parts of the country maybe don't realize how different Northern California is from Southern California. They're like two different worlds, really. I know one is colder. Yeah. Well, uh, here in Southern California, I've lived in Los Angeles County for over 20 years. I came down here to go to college and I stayed. I'm married. I have three kids. I have one in college, one in high school, and one in middle school. So I am 
a parent of an adult and two teenagers. So I am in that season of motherhood. And then for a lot of years, I was stay-at-home mom. And then uh, when I have been working, I've worked as an English teacher. I've taught junior high, high school. And then for the last several years, I have been an adjunct professor teaching writing courses at a private Christian university here in Southern California. So my background is in teaching writing and teaching literature. But then in recent years, I've been writing and editing. I currently uh, work as an editor for uh, the website Encourage uh, by Dayspring. Oh, I love that. And that site is so good. Now, they just put out a book not too long ago, uh, Craving Connection, right? Craving Connection came out in January and A Moment to Breathe just came out earlier this month. It's a 365-day devotional uh, with stories about women in all seasons of life. And I edited that A Moment to Breathe. Oh, that's so cool. So I'm going to talk to you a little bit about being an editor. But first, can you tell me what is an adjunct professor? Part-time. I don't even know if I said that right. It's part-time. So I'm not a full-time professor. I'm part-time. And it's really beautiful because when I have a lot of deadlines with a publisher, I'm able to pass on classes for that semester. Take the semester off. I just focus on writing and editing. And then when uh, I've met my deadlines and my time kind of frees up, I'm able to take on a couple more classes the following semester. So being an adjunct, it's part-time. So it allows me the flexibility to do other projects for writing and editing. Oh my gosh, that sounds like a dream job, like the kind of job we all want. Like, I'll do this job, but then when I'm busy, I'll just take a little break and come back later. And they're like, okay, we love you. Yeah, that's really the beauty (laughs) of being an adjunct. And I've been a part of this English department at APU for a long time. So it's great. That's so awesome. Okay, so one of the reasons that I wanted to talk to you about, you know, your life and your journey on the podcast today was because when we first met, you shared with me that even though you've been a Christian for a really long time, there was kind of a point in your life where you felt like you weren't quite connecting. I think you said that believing in God is as obvious as the wind, but sometimes it's hard to think that he's trustworthy or that you are really actually connected to him. And I wondered if you could share just a little bit about that and when and how that changed in your life. Yeah. Well, you know, Jesus tells that story of the storm that came and the wise man built his house upon the rock and his house withstood the storm. And then the foolish builder built his house on the sand. And when the storm came, you know, his house was destroyed. Uh, I really saw a very living example of that in my own home growing up. Um, My dad was a pastor. So I grew up going to church every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, you name it, we were there. And uh, when my brother was in a car accident that left him paralyzed from the waist down, he was 19. And I was 12. And what I didn't know as a kid, I just thought, hey, I I grow up going to church, right? Um, I didn't know that it was my dad was more of a prosperity gospel kind of preacher, and I yeah. I didn't even know what that meant as a kid. I just, you know, grew up going to Sunday school. But then when my brother's accident happened, I just saw both in my mom and my dad take two very divergent paths, and one house crumbled and one house um, remained. And uh, my dad turned away uh, eventually within a couple of years because God wouldn't heal his son, uh, my brother, my dad like left the family, left the church, left town, did a 180, like grew a beard, started smoking and drinking, like moved in with a woman I didn't even know he knew. Like it was kind of a crazy time. And I was 14 at this point. 
And, but my mom stayed, like my mom continued going to church and my mom continued going to the hospital and, and taking care of her son. And so I just thought in my parents that storm hit and one house crumbled and one house remained. And so I went through a season then through my teenage years of really searching. Like I had heard all these Sunday school stories my whole life, but then, you know, nothing really sustained me through that time in that I saw that parable played out in in my parents. And so I didn't feel connected to God. I really believed he existed, but I was just so confused. Like, which path should I take? Should I follow the path my mom has taken or should I follow the path my dad has taken? And I just think the rebellious teenager in me was really pulled more into the, the path my dad took of let's just, you know, throw it all to the wind and do whatever we want, right? Like choose the, a life of, of self. And it was really until I went to summer camp that uh, the speaker invited us to read the Bible. And I thought I knew the Bible because I'd been in church my whole life and I had been in Sunday school my whole life. I knew Bible stories, but what I didn't know was the Bible. And when I was challenged to read the Bible for 20 minutes by myself, something changed, uh, just completely changed. And I, I just believe God it was his grace to me. He opened my heart and he opened my eyes to see the scriptures in a new way. And his word came alive to me, absolutely alive to me. And from that moment on, I just, I, I know it's only God's grace. It's not anything I did of myself, uh, but God birthed in me this desire to know him more. And so I started searching the scriptures to know who this God is, not the God of even the Sunday school stories or what I had heard on Sunday mornings, but who does the Bible say God is? And when I started looking to the Bible to, to learn about who God is, that was the game changer for me, is looking to the Word of God. And so the Word of God has become the foundation for my life going forward. I had to figure out who the God of the Bible is and not the God that I kind of grew up hearing about. Okay, there's so much in that story that's just kind of amazing and powerful. I can't imagine as a teenager how confused you must have been when your parents did take opposite paths after your brother's accident. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't even know how you would begin to sort that out. But I love that you were still seeing kind of your mom as the place you wanted to stay ultimately. Mm -hmm. And I believe that had to be God that was kind of pursuing you in that mm -hmm. way. And I love that the word came alive to you when you were at camp. Was there a specific moment or a piece of scripture or a book that you were in, was there something where like it just clicked or did you just find it happened kind of gradually over time? No, it was really in that moment as I was, I was walking up a, a trail to find a spot to sit down and read for 20 minutes. And I really didn't know where I was going to read. I, the extent of my Bible knowledge was pretty basic. I knew there was an old part and a new part. Didn't really know what the difference was. So I thought, you know, I'll start with the new stuff. And the table of contents led me to the book of Matthew. Well, Matthew chapter one is a genealogy, which is boring, especially if you're 17. So I, right. I skip chapter one and I start reading Matthew chapter <laughs> two. And that's the story of of Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus and the stuff that if you've grown up in church, you're convinced you've heard all this a million times. So again, I'm like, yada, yada. Yeah, I know all this already. And then I read the part where Herod had all the boys under the age of two murdered uh, because of what the wise men told him about a king of the Jews being born. And I was 
horrified. I, I, I'm just trying to picture what that is like in the town of Bethlehem, where soldiers are bursting into people's homes and driving spears through through baby boys and, and really from age two and under. And I thought, whoa, wait, wait a minute. I have been in church my whole life. We do little Christmas plays every December about the whole manger and the angels singing, hark the, you know, I have good news for you business. And I thought we have never included Herod and his soldiers in our Christmas pageants. And I just thought, well, what else have I not been told <laughs> about what's in the Bible versus what I, what I right. heard and seen on stage. So um, that really just was a jolt to me. Like, whoa, why is that even in scripture? And why did the coming savior have to just start with so much pain? And that started a journey for me of our, our savior. He came in pain. And so then anyway, I was like, well, okay, I'm done with Matthew. I, I turned a whole chunk of pages and I ended up in something called Galateans. And I thought, what is a Galatean? I don't even know. So I kept flipping and it's more of the same, you know, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. And I thought the Bible isn't in English. What is this? And then I got to Timothy and I thought, eh, well, there was a guy I knew in high school named Timothy and I didn't like him very much. So I thought, I'm not really <laughs> interested in anything the first or second Timothy has to say. So I kept just, oh I just gosh. kept flipping. I mean, this is the rationale of a 17 year old, you know? So I kept flipping until right. I got to James and I thought, okay, something normal I recognize. So I started reading James and right away, James says, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. And I thought, what is up with that? That is so weird. Who does that? Nobody considers it joy when you suffer. And, and you have to remember too, as a set, I was 17, but I spent years really in the front row of suffering, watching my brother suffer for so many years um, in and out of hospitals and rehabs. And then um, when my dad left a couple years later. So for me, suffering, I saw a lot of people suffering in hospitals every day. So for James to say, consider it pure joy in that, I thought, okay, that's just weird. I can't figure that out at all. I can't believe you didn't put the book down and like I know, throw it I'm or something at this, this point. Twenty minutes is taking an eternity, you know, and I've got like thirteen minutes to go. So I thought um, I'd been in church long enough to know that I didn't want to get all the way to Revelation, though. So I thought, well, I'm going to give James a second chance. So I read James chapter two, and that's where I read James chapter two, verse nineteen. He says, "You believe that one, there is one God, good. Even the demons believe in that and shudder." And I thought, whoa, now. I've been in church my whole life. I've heard the stories of angels and demons and all that. And the thought had never occurred to me that even the demons believe. Because I had always heard John 3.16, you know, anyone who believes, you know, will have eternal life. And I thought, but even the demons believe. So, so what's the thing about belief? There's got to be something different or more than just belief, mere intellectual belief. So I just asked God, like, okay, so Herod believed that a king of the Jews had been born. The demons believe, but they're not going to heaven. So what is this about belief that separate who are God's children? And I just asked him, God, show me what it means to live for you in such a way that it's more than just believing about you. And that changed everything. And I just had this desire to know him more. It was almost like God just said, come and I'll show you. And God just birthed in me a desire to read his word. And I left camp that week. I went back 
home and I went back to Genesis and I started and I read it straight through and there were some things that were fascinating and some things that were so confusing in the Old Testament. I thought, what in the world? I had no idea some of this was here, but it changed me and it grew in me a a love for who God really is, a love for his word, and it grew in me a passion to unlock the scriptures for other women. I cannot believe that you were struggling with this. And in one 20 minute assignment where you were more frustrated than you weren't, God birthed such a vibrant curiosity in you that it changed your whole life. Yeah. Right. I mean, I love this story, too, because you grew up in church your whole life and you knew a lot of this stuff. I grew up in church. Not Mm. (laughs) like we didn't even go at Christmas or Easter. And so when I finally began to know the Lord, I had all of those same feelings about looking through the Bible that you did. Mm -hmm. And even though I don't think I had that one moment where curiosity was birthed through a piece of scripture or a story, curiosity didn't die for me. I kept wanting to know more. Mm -hmm. And I think once upon a time, you and I talked about how for both of us, there was a point when Jesus and the Bible just seemed unapproachable. And I just love how you just made it more approachable. And especially for women who grew up in the church and might be struggling with that, but didn't know that they could even say that out loud. Mm. Mm -hmm. And then what God has done in you since then has just been nothing short of amazing. I mean, this past year, you have released three Bible studies and a book (laughs) in addition to, you know, devotionals and editing things and teaching and raising your family. I mean, what God did in you is really powerful. Well, God's been really really gracious to to kind of lead me in baby steps along the way. And the last year, yeah, it looks like an awful lot all at once with three Bible studies and a book and, you know, all, all the publishing things that have happened in the last year. And they've all been wonderful blessings. But I think what's important to realize is they weren't all created in a year. And really, it was a season of harvest. And I've been writing for years. And I just had so much to just pull from that it all kind of came together in a relatively short period of time. But it was really the harvest of years and years of writing that I had been doing. Okay, so it appears to me that a lot of times when God speaks to you, he like uses a bullhorn or something. And he's like, hey, you're going to be curious about me now. Hey, you're going to write all of this in one year. It kind of seems like with you that God does a little bit of go big or go home. I I don't know. I I think I I go back to that story where, you know, God wasn't in the the loud storm. God, God is in the whisper. And it's in the quiet moments when it is just us and God in his word. He speaks to us in a whisper. He whispers to our souls. We know God's voice when we've been in his word because he'll never tell us anything that is counter or contrary to his word. So God speaks in the whispers. He does. He whispers to us. I wouldn't characterize that God speaks to me in a a bullhorn. (laughs) I think it's really more in the (laughs) quiet whispers of, of daily life year after year after year. And and what was interesting is it was actually 25 years to the day. That day I read the Bible for 20 minutes. It was 25 right. years later when the first Bible study came out. So it it appears like to the to day. The day. Well, not that it was released, but um, to the day that I, I signed the contract. So it, it appears that wow. it's like God speaks in a bullhorn and all this happens in one day. But it was actually 25 years of following Christ and being in his word before 
those things came about. Okay, so I love that you said that because I do think, especially for someone like me who didn't know Jesus my whole life, that I keep looking for God to speak to me in a bullhorn kind Mm -hmm. of fashion. And, you know, once in a while he does. But I love that you say that God Mm -hmm. is in the whisper. And I would love for you to just kind of share how do you calm your busyness to let God whisper to you? Like, what does that look like? Maybe it's your morning quiet time, your process. I mean, how do you hear from him when you have so many other balls well, in the air? Well, think of coming to the word like you're having a meal where we have three meals a day, right? And there's 365 days in a year. Not every meal of every day is going to be like what we're going to have at Thanksgiving dinner or Christmas dinner. Like there are going to be special times of the year where it's a feast before us. But all those other meals, three days a week, 365 days a year, I may not recall them. They might not have been, you know, the the Thanksgiving turkey feast, uh, but they still nourished my soul. And when people are looking for God to speak to them in a bullhorn, I think that's coming to the word, expecting it to be like Thanksgiving dinner every single day. Like God is just going to shout from the mountaintops, you know, every single moment. And I think in a relationship, we have to to realize that there are going to be just normal average days where we just come, we are faithful to be in the word. Maybe this particular day wasn't, you know, God shouting from the mountaintop kind of thing, but his word will never return void when we are faithful to be in his word and to plant his word into our hearts and into our minds day after day after day, not expecting a a mountaintop kind of bullhorn shouting, but just faithfulness every day. I trust that God's word is nourishment for my soul. And it might not be till down the road that I might see the fruit of all those days and years of of pouring over scripture. But then there, there comes a moment where, whoa, God's word spoke to me in such a clear, specific way on this particular day. And those moments then do happen um, more and more over time. And you can look back with hindsight and and see how God was preparing you all along in his word. So I would encourage people to be faithful, to be in the word, trusting that it's nurturing our souls and it's planting seeds and, and God is working through his word will never return void. And then there will come a day when what you've been faithful to to study, God is going to bring it to your memory in such a powerful way that then you will have those moments where it is a mountaintop kind of moment where God's word is just so amazingly and beautifully clear in a specific area of your life. And you just can't do anything but give thanks back to God because of it. That's so cool. And I love too that I said or mentioned that you had put out three Bible studies in the last year, and they're called mm-hmm. Word Writers Bible Studies. And they're basically a tool, a Bible study to help you get into and stay in the Word and, and stay interested in it. Yeah, it's an invitation really to write the Word. Um, I I really, there are so many tools available, and they're wonderful. And I love all the different Bible study methods out there. I love digging into the Greek and the Hebrew and all of those fabulous kinds of Uh, Word studies, there's basically four different kinds of Bible studies. There are word studies, topical studies, character studies, and book studies. Um, Those are kind of the four basic kinds of Bible studies. And I can enjoy all four at different times. They all serve different purposes. But my favorite kind of Bible study is a book study. I love studying 
the books of the Bible from beginning to end, the historical context they were written in, the audience they were written to, what the author intended uh, when he was writing to a specific audience, uh, learning all of that around each book of the Bible, and then putting all 66 books of the Bible together. That is what helps us form a complete picture of God's story of redemption, the overarching narrative throughout scripture. Uh, So word writers um, just take you through an entire book of the Bible and it invites you to write out scripture. So by the end of the study, you've written out the whole book in the back, Um, but it does go verse by verse and, and it doesn't skip anything. So um, it's a book study, not uh, a word study or character study or topical study. Oh, I think that that's so great. And I've actually done a couple of them. And I remembered somewhere in the middle of doing them that one time Beth Moore said that if you write something down in blue ink, you'll remember it even more. And so I only use a blue pen when I do it. But Oh, that's funny. I've not heard that. Yeah. But I do. I do believe that when we write it, we remember it. Yeah, I think there's something special about connecting it to your brain when you're putting it down on paper. It just, I don't know, it seems Mm -hmm. to come alive a little bit more for me. Yes, it does. And as a teacher, I've seen it in the classroom for years where, and they've actually done studies on this, uh, especially since keyboards and laptops in a classroom, college classroom, everybody will pull out their laptop. Uh, Studies have shown that students who take notes by typing them into a laptop versus students who take notes by writing them by hand on paper, those who use a laptop, they can get more words down in a shorter period of time because, of course, we can type faster than we can write by hand. Those who took notes by hand actually remembered better later. And it's because there's processing and synthesizing going on in translation from what we hear from the professor to what we put on paper. We know we can't write everything down word for word. So we're summarizing as we're hearing and we're writing down the key points. So um, actually people who write by hand, take notes by hand, actually remember better than those who take notes uh, by typing. It's a fascinating study. It really is. And that just reminds me about uh, my daughter when she was in high school, she'd have to read 30 pages in a night and she would take all kinds of different colors and flare pens and she would write it all out and it would look like a piece of art. But she just knew that she would do well on the test because she had taken that time. So I'm all about it. I I hope everybody that wants to have the word come alive to them is going to go out and get some of your word writer studies because they really are incredible. And if I may say so, beautiful. Oh, thank you. Well, I love what you said about your daughter. It's very true. Think about the different ways we can receive sensory input. So reading is one way. Writing by hand, we've now added a tactile method for absorbing God's word. Uh, Even underlining, take those colored highlighters. And as you're underlining scripture, your eyes are now seeing it again in a different way with the colors underlining it. So you're just giving your mind more sensory input, especially if you're a visual learner, to highlight and annotate text is so important. I'm all about making your Bible a workbook, right? not a textbook. A textbook we read and and we don't want to do anything to it. A workbook is a consumable workbook and and we write in it. And the Bible needs to be a workbook because as we work in our Bibles, our Bibles are working in us. You know, it's so funny that you say that because my only exposure to Christianity when I was a kid was brief and from a very, very formal religion. And so I kind of grew up believing that if I wrote in the pages of my Bible, like that was a straight ticket to, you know, visit the devil for forever. 
And (laughs) then I grew up and I really wanted for the word to come alive to me, but I was struggling with it. But what I did was I started writing in my Bible. And so if I read something I thought was funny, I would write LOL next to it. Oh, that's fun. Or if I read something I didn't understand, I would write next to it, why? And a question mark. And I just kind of started to have a conversation with God through this. And it changed everything for me. Mm Mm-hmm. I love that you put why. I think people don't realize that you can ask questions when you're reading the Bible and you don't understand something, write the question in the margin and God might not answer it right then in that moment, but in time, God is faithful to answer those questions when we give him the time. I love that you put why. Um, We need to ask those questions. God invites us into conversation with him. And so by writing in the margins, that's how we're engaging with him. And and our Bibles won't stay as clean and pristine that way. You know, like you said, you you had this idea that, oh, you know, we can't mar it in any way. But I'm absolutely convinced a broken binding binds the broken. Oh my gosh, that's so beautiful. So the more I work in my Bible, the more it works in me. And a broken binding binds the broken. So when my Bible starts falling apart at the edges and the binding is broken and I get out the clear packing tape to retape that, I think that's a beautiful thing. I think nothing's more beautiful than a truly worn and used Bible. And and I do want to say that and, and preface that with, I don't say these things to try to sound all super spiritual. The, the truth is, the reason I have been so drawn to God's word is not because I'm super spiritual, but because I'm so broken and I know I am so in need of Jesus Christ. And without him, I would be so completely lost. So when I'm talking about being in the word, I, I would never want anyone to hear um, super spirituality or anything like that. What I would want women to hear is a sincere desperation for more of Jesus in my life, because I know how lost I would be without him. Well, it's funny that you say that because, you know, my Bible is all marked up and it's highlighted and it's underlined now. And I had to actually pass my Bible over to someone else during a Bible study recently because she was going to read a passage and she didn't have her Bible with her. So I had it already open. I handed my Bible to her and she read the passage and I had a little bit of a twinge of handing her my Bible, not because I didn't want to share, but because I realized that all of the highlights, all of the marks, all of the writing, that is my heart about this. And I was kind of handing it over to someone who could see it. Mm -hmm. And it occurred to me that when I do all of those things in my Bible, if I go back and I look through them, I'm seeing my heart for this. Yes. I'm seeing where I connect to it and what God is speaking to me. Because I feel like sometimes when I read a verse and it kind of jumps off the page at me, that's sort of the Holy Spirit going, hey, look at this. This is for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so kind of looking back through every place that I've written, every place I've highlighted, it's almost like looking back over my journey and seeing how far I've come and how much I've grown and how much I love. Mm -hmm. I love that. It's really cool. Yeah. Okay, so you put the Bible studies out, and but you also put out a book called Deeper Waters. And I would mm-hmm. love for you just to say a little bit about what that's about, what your goal for that is. Hmm. Deeper Waters is really an invitation to go deeper in life and ministry with Jesus. And it, it really goes back to the story of when Jesus called the disciples, uh, Peter, 
James, John, and Andrew. Uh, they were all fishermen, and Jesus said, you know, he taught from the boat during the day, and then um, at night he said, okay, put out into deeper water. And Peter says, yeah, we've been fishing all day, and we haven't caught anything. So um, actually it didn't make sense to go into deeper water because what the fishermen knew Fishermen by trade, this is their job. They knew the fish swam in the warmer part of the water near the surface. So to push out into deeper water, the water would be colder and you would find less fish, not more. Uh, so when Jesus said, put out into deeper water, the fishermen are all looking at each other like, uh, you're not going to find more fish in the deeper, colder part. But they just do what Jesus says. And of course, they put the net down and it's so full that they need to call their partners in another boat to come and help them. The The net was so full of fish. Um, and of course, it's a miracle of Jesus, but it it's such a, a poignant picture of when we put out into deeper waters and it doesn't make sense. When we trust in Jesus, he will yield fruit in our life that we know we couldn't have done in our own power. This is only because of Jesus. So the book Deeper Waters is really an invitation to press deeper into a life with God. And And the publisher had asked me to write a book on how to study the Bible. Uh, but the truth is there are a lot of books out there on how to study the Bible. So that's part of it. But more than that, before I tell you how to study the Bible, I first tell you how I struggled with believing everything the Bible said. So uh, Deeper Waters is part narrative, too. And uh, I really follow the life of Ezra. Um, I have just loved studying this period of time in Israel's history when they were in exile in Babylon, and then God brought them back to Jerusalem. Uh, that whole time period, Ezra was really used by God to bring back the word of God to the people of Israel. And their 70 years in Babylon, uh, they learned to speak Aramaic. Aramaic was the language of the day. The Israelites who were born and raised in Babylon and then came back to Jerusalem, many of them could not speak Hebrew anymore. They could only speak Aramaic. Uh, and so when when Nehemiah finished building the walls around the city, you know, remember that Sunday school story of Nehemiah of building the walls around Jerusalem? Uh, when they finished the walls, they finished the temple, uh, they had basically a revival. And Ezra stood at the water gate, which is so significant. I don't really have time to go into it now, but he stood at the water gate and the water uh, gate resembles water is a symbol for the word of God throughout scripture. So it's no coincidence that he is standing at the water gate. He reads from the book of the law. He reads from uh, Mosaic law, the Torah, the scriptures that they had at that time. And, and the people just wept. And there were 13 Levites throughout the crowd. As Ezra read uh, Mosaic law in scripture, the 13 Levites throughout the, the crowd, they would interpret from Hebrew into Aramaic and they would translate for the people in the crowd. Um, and the people, they were basically hearing the word of God for the first time. And so the whole story of Ezra, it just, I think it is such a, a beautiful parallel for, I know for my life, but I think for many of us, uh, that we need the word of God into our lives. And and many of us have been raised in such a way that when we come to scripture, we're not going to understand it at first, maybe. Uh, but when we are faithful to be in, in God's word and we ask him, Lord, you know, open 
my eyes that I may see the wonderful truths in your law. That's Psalm uh, 118, verse 19. God is faithful to answer that prayer. So Deeper Waters is is not just a how to study the Bible. Um, it's a why to study the Bible and why I have chosen to study the Bible. So um, I tell my story in Deeper Waters, and then I also tell the story of the Israelites coming back uh, from exile in Babylon, because uh, I know I have certainly spent a portion of my life in exile. And what's brought me back to God is his word. I just couldn't love that more. The more I study the word, the more I become kind of a geek about it. And I love to find out what the context is Mm. and what the words mean and how often they appear in the Bible. And I just feel like that makes it all mean so much more. So I love that this book does that for people. It's such a great tool for them to use, but to not just use to learn the Bible better, get in the word more, but to inspire them. I mean, what a gift. Mm. So, okay, you are a Declare girl. You've been to Declare a bunch of times. Mm -hmm. You've been a speaker at Declare. And you're also a successful writer. So practically speaking, for any of our girls who are thinking about writing a Bible study, where do you start? Like, how do you write a Bible study? What advice would you give? Mm. Well, I do love Declare. Uh, The women at Declare are just them of the best. I just love Declare. Uh, beautiful gathering. Uh, anyone who wants to write a Bible study, I, where to begin? Uh, well, if you're going to writers' conferences and you're hearing kind of the, the, the workshops and speakers, you know, editors and, and literary agents, you're going to hear how you're supposed to write a book starting with the felt need. What's the felt need of your reader and, and write a book that addresses the felt need. And, and that might be okay and appropriate for books. But if you're going to write a Bible study, I would encourage writers not to start with the felt need of people, but to start with Jesus, start with the word of God. God is the main character of the Bible. Start there, start with him and ask him, Lord, what do you want me to show um, your, your your daughters? And start with the word of God. Start with God is the main character, not me, not how can I use scripture to make me feel better today? And, and God's word does heal us. He sent his word and healed them in, in Psalm 107, verse 20. Um, so yes, God does meet our needs. God does heal us. And God does care about our tears. He, he bottles our tears up like he... He knows every tear. So I'm not saying he doesn't care about our our felt needs, but I'm saying if we're going to write a Bible study, we want to start with God as the main character and invite women into God's story of redemption. Start with God first. Oh, I love that. Okay. So my next question for you is just another one on a practical level. Are there any tools that you use or any apps or any organizing systems or a writing program? Is there anything that you use that really helps you out that might help some of our listeners? Great question. Uh, I would encourage anyone who's wanting to write Bible studies, start developing your own library. Um, obviously, Logos is, is a great software program that will give you access to a lot of commentaries and that kind of thing. Uh, but I love having, well, I'm just going to be old fashioned. So um, it's not going to be apps and websites for me. It's going to be finding those commentary writers who, who I believe are trustworthy, that they are, del- they are um, rightly dividing the word of truth. And so when 
those commentaries, I just start collecting them. And, and I, I'm just an investor of books, good books. And so um, I, I would encourage people uh, to start with a, a solid study Bible. The ESV study Bible is great. Uh, anyone who wants to be in the Word, I think the most helpful tool for even studying the Bible, more so than the text that will be at the bottom of the page, I would encourage the, the introductions to the books of the Bible. Hmm, okay. Well, and you mean in a study Bible, In right? a study Bible, the introductions to a study Bible, yes. I would start with the introductions to each book of the Bible uh, before diving into the book of the Bible itself. And then start investing in commentaries. So do you have like a favorite commentary or one that you just think would be a great starting commentary to look at? A great starting commentary is the B series by Warren Wearsby. He has pretty much a book on each book of the Bible. So to to pick up um, a book by Warren Wearsby and to read through a book of the Bible and read through one of his commentaries are, are a great starting place. Okay, perfect. I love that. I'll be looking that one up as soon as we're done recording here. Yeah, you'll see lots of on Amazon, lots of books by Warren Wearsby, the B series and the ESV study Bible. You just can't go wrong. Okay, that's such great advice. So Denise, if people want to learn more about you or get in contact with you, how do they do that? And then what's coming up down the pipe for you? Uh, you can always find me at denisejhughes.com, so D-E-N-I-S-E-J and then H-U-G-H-E-S.com. You can always find me on my website or at Instagram. I'm, I'm at denisejhughes on Instagram as well, so you can always find me there. Um, what's coming up for me is a season of rest for the rest of 2017. I am going to be enjoying a time of rest uh, for the rest of this calendar year and then uh, gearing up for some speaking in 2018 and some more projects down the road. Oh, that sounds like a lot of fun. Well, Denise, I can't thank you enough for coming on the podcast today and sharing your heart for studying the Bible and making the word come alive and just kind of sharing your passion. I hear it in your voice and it's so inspiring. So thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you, Anne, for having me. I, I always love getting together to chat with you. I do too. And hopefully we will see you at Declare again soon. Oh, I would love that. And I hope that you just have the most restful rest time. You deserve it. Oh, thanks, Anne. You too. Wasn't that so great? I just think Denise's journey is so inspiring and I'm so glad she joined us to tell her story. I also hope you enjoyed this episode of the Declare Conference podcast. You can connect with Denise and find all the links to everything we mentioned today in the show notes at declareconference.com. Also, if you leave a review on iTunes for the Declare podcast in the next two weeks, you'll be automatically entered to win a copy of Denise's new book, Deeper Waters. I mean, you could go out and buy it yourself, but free sounds pretty good, right? Don't forget to get your ticket for our 2018 conference, Warrior. If you've ever felt like something or someone was holding you back from doing what you're called to do, then you can't afford to miss this event. And since it's the giving season, consider giving a ticket to declare as a gift. As soon as you have your ticket, you're going to get plugged into our amazing community. We're learning and inspiring our year round. Coming up on this podcast, I have conversations with Angie Smith, Andrea Howie, and Kelly Belleri, and more. Don't miss an episode. You can get each new episode delivered directly to your inbox when you subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. 
Also, go follow Declare Conference on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram so you'll get alerts and see all the new things we're cooking up for you, including some local meetups. Are you interested in letting our huge community know about your product or service or ministry? We have sponsorship opportunities for every budget, including this podcast or the conference itself. Just send an email to info at declareconference.com. So that's all for today. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Declare Podcast.